0: Millions of people around the world over this next 24-hour period will gather together in buildings and open areas to remember a particular event that happened just over 2,000 years ago. Remember that a man named Jesus died on a cross. There'll be cross symbolism in almost every one of those gatherings. We had that just running in the motion behind our lyric on those two songs. And to the naked eye, it may seem a little bit contradictory to call a day where we remember that somebody died, a good day. That the day that Jesus was punished for crimes He didn't commit and ultimately killed whilst an innocent man, that we would actually refer to that day as Good Friday. Doesn't make much sense. All I wanna do for the next few minutes that we have together is just unpack the backstory of why we call this day Good Friday. And I'm aware that there's two groups of people here in our auditorium today. There's some of you who have never heard this story. The, the, The story I'm about to tell you will be breaking news. And my prayer for you is that this will be something that you might consider to be true, not just a fairy tale, but a real life story. I'm also aware that for some of you, you may have heard this story every Good Friday for, in some cases, double digit years. And I have a prayer for you as well, that over this remaining 20, 30 minutes, that that story that may be familiar to you would actually take on a fresh perspective and be even more real than it was the first time you heard it. So Let's jump in the Wayback Machine and let's go right back to the beginning. We believe, and I'm again aware that not everyone's gonna share this belief, but we believe that God, the God of the Bible, created the heavens and the earth. And His intent, right back at the beginning, God up here in heaven created us, humans, to actually have and to live in a relationship with Him in an intimate, unfiltered, relationship with Him that, that nothing and no one would separate us from Him. That was His good idea right back at the beginning. And I know from where I'm sitting, this looks like a good idea today that nothing and nobody would come between me and having an intimate personal relationship with God. Problem was, something did happen. Something did get in the way. Come a little bit further in time in my way back machine to the ninth century. The ninth century, the people who had been following this God, the God of the Bible, who'd been living with Him as their number one and not just number one God, but number one everything. The object of their attention, the object of their affection, the object of their worship, the object of their adoration. They actually actually decided that this one God wasn't enough. So they decided to add to the mix. Let's, let's, let's augment the one God with, with some other gods. And so they added in this God named Baal. Now I can kind of understand why they added in Baal. They considered that Baal, this other God, was actually in control of the weather. Whenever you saw pictures of him, he was always holding a lightning bolt, meaning that he could change the weather in a flash. And this uh, group of people, they lived in an agrarian society where they, in their entire economy was dependent on the weather rain, good, drought, bad. So, why wouldn't you worship a God who you think controls the weather? So what they would do is they would pray to this God, Baal, Baal, make it rain, make it rain, make it rain. Every day, day after day after day, they'd pray to Him. They'd sacrifice to Him. They'd dance to Him. They'd pray to Him. They'd sacrifice to Him. They'd dance to Him. And then one day, miraculously, the tap would open. The rain would come. And the leaders, when the rain come would go around asking the question, what was it that we did yesterday that caused it to rain today? What was it that we did that was so good, so pleasing to Baal, that He gave us what we deserved. Good people deserve good things. We, we must have been good yesterday. So let's kind of rewind the tape. Let's ask the question, what did we do yesterday that pleased God to make it to rain today? Because if we know what we did that was good yesterday, let's do more of that today and tomorrow, and then the rain will keep coming. Problem is, the next day, sometimes it would rain again. And so the leaders would go on a witch hunt and they'd want to find out who did something bad when all we needed to do to make it rain was do something good. Do good things that you're supposed to do and don't do bad things that you're not supposed to do. And if we do the good things that we're supposed to do and avoid the bad things that we're not supposed to do, Baal will be happy, it'll rain. Well, that didn't work. God didn't like being number two, still doesn't. So he staged an intervention. He's the one that actually turned off the tap. He needed to demonstrate to the people that used to follow him that actually, no, Bail's not in charge of the weather. I'm in charge of the weather. And he actually turned off the tap for nearly three years. He crashed their economy to get their attention. Thankfully, they turned back to him. Thankfully, they put him back as number one. This other God, Baal, who had gotten in the way of this intimate relationship was now, thankfully, out of the equation. And you'd think, therefore, that it was all good again. Problem is that the God we believe in, it's not all about good people getting what they deserve, and bad people getting what they deserve. If it was, bad things would never happen to good people and good things would never happen to bad people. There's this thing that gets in the way. It's not other gods. It's a thing that churchy people call sin. Now, I know that it's not very PC to call something sin. If I looked at some of your behaviour, and by the way, if you looked at some of mine and labelled it sin, you might say to me, hey, who are you to tell me what I'm doing is sin? Well, two things. Number one, let me define sin because I think the words got a little bit of a bad rap. <laughs> it's got a rap that suggests that there's this mean, angry God just scouring with His big, big omnidirectional radar 24-7. And when He goes, blip, blip, when you or I do something wrong, boom, crushed. It's not... God's good intent. In fact, the word sin is probably best defined as doing something less than God's intent. In other words, God, His best, His good intent was that we would live in this intimate, unfiltered relationship with nothing getting in between us. But when we do something that's less than God's intent, less than God's good intent, intent, which by the way, when we do that, it typically starts to erode us and all the people around us. All the stuff, not the stuff that I call sin, by the way, I'm not here to give you my list of do's and don'ts, but the stuff that God actually called sin. When you start to peel back the onion on the stuff that God calls sin, you'll understand that living less than God's intent, it actually starts to destroy things. So God didn't put up a list of uh, parameters and boundaries to, to, to limit us and, and, and make us slaves, but actually to say, I'm trying to protect you and I'm trying to protect the people around you. Because here's the problem. When we start to sin, when we start to do things less than God's intent, we start to move away and this other stuff gets in. Oh yeah, yeah, sure, Mark. I don't sin. Well, yeah, you do. You are You sinner. And so do I. Ever lied? Ever stolen? I used to steal lots. I was great at it. Ever gossiped about people who steal stuff? Ever hated anybody? Ever felt jealous towards somebody? You got drunk to the point where you start causing damage to yourself or other people. But have slept around, which God said when you sleep with someone, you give something of yourself to them. And so if you start sleeping around, you're leaving fragments of your soul, people that you maybe don't even love. So instead of us living up here, God's good intent, we do things that are less than God's intent, and it's those things that separate us. And I don't like to live there. But The better news is God doesn't like us to be there either. So back around the time of these people I was telling you about, God designed a system. He designed a system to actually close that gap. It was a system of sacrifices. And so here's what you do. You're in an agrarian society, and, and you'd sinned, okay, you'd lied, you'd cheated, you'd stolen, you'd gossip, you'd gotten drunk, or all of the above, tick the box F, all of the above. What God would have you do is, is pick out the best animal in your little farm, the, the, the best of the best, not the mangy one that you can't even sell on eBay, but the best, and, an unblemished lamb was like the big ticket item. And what you would do, what God would want you to do would be to take this unblemished lamb, the best, and to take that down to the temple. And at the temple, the priest at the temple, he's built an altar. Not not an altar like you maybe see when you go to weddings. It was just pretty crude. Bunch of rocks, some sticks, a little bit of a sort of flat surface at the top. And you'd put your lamb on top of that altar. And the priest, you'd you'd give it to the priest, put it on top of the altar, And then other people put their lambs on, lambs on, lambs on, lambs on. And then they'd light the wood, light this altar and boof, upward go the lamb in flames. Some of you are thinking about lunch right now. Mmm, barbecued lamb. Yeah, sure, that's exactly what it would have smelled like. Once the fur, which I know is called fleece, has burned off. Like driving past the exhaust fans of Hungry Jacks on a Saturday night. And what would happen is is the reason God would do this is it was symbolic, that that first of all, that you would choose the best lamb, which by choosing the best lamb, you were saying to God, this is how serious I am about seeking your forgiveness. That's about, this is how serious I am about closing that gap with the stuff that's got in the way. Because God said, if you bring that lamb to the altar and sacrifice it, once that sacrifice has been made, I will forgive your sins. I will wipe the slate clean. We will get to start again. All this stuff that separated us, I'll forgive you of that and you get a fresh start. It's pretty cool. So here we are, right back at God's good intent. God and us, nothing in our way at that moment in the temple. Seemed like a good system. Problem was, It only lasted until the next time you lied, cheated, stole, got drunk, hated, gossiped. No one ever got any work done. Because they're too busy ferrying lambs back and forth to the temple. Burn a lamb, walking home, your neighbour goes past, oh, after to the temple again, are we? See, we've sinned again. Oh, damn, I just judged him. That means I sinned as well. Oh, and I said, damn, which in some countries is a swear word. So he's going back to the temple, you're like, and, you, and your wife's got your list of jobs for you to do. You say, honey, I can't do the jobs. I gotta get another lamb. Oh, really? Sinned again, did we? Not a very good system. Not very sustainable, not very productive. So wouldn't it be good if God invented a better plan than the ritual sacrifice time after time for every single time we lived and did something less than His good intent? Something that was one time for all time, one and done. Well, that's why we call today Good Friday. Because God eventually saw that this system wasn't working. This system wasn't sustainable. This system was temporary. And God wanted to get back to where you and I could live permanently with nothing, separating Him and us. That was His good intent and remains His good intent. And so what God did is He sent His Son. And His Son is actually referred to not as a lamb that was sacrificed, but referred to as the lamb that was sacrificed with a description of finality that this lamb, Jesus, is gonna be sacrificed but sacrificed once. And, 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 and His sacrifice is gonna be for all time. And here's why His sacrifice is better than the lamb's. Even the most unblemished lamb, it's still not perfect. And God's good intent is that we could live unfiltered, unfettered with a, a good and a perfect and, and a holy God us who aren't good or perfect or holy, if you think you are, you have a very, 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 very displaced reality distortion field. Because you and I, we're not perfect. We're not holy. And that's why God needed to take it on Himself to actually get a one and done sacrifice. Because we were never gonna be good enough. Our lamb was never gonna be good enough. So He sent His Son. And the wood of the altar was replaced by the wood of the cross. The blood of the lamb was replaced by the blood of His Son, Jesus. (laughs) Today's called Good Friday because we couldn't actually bridge and close that gap. But Jesus could and did, and that's good. Jesus came along (laughs) and was sacrificed in our place, God said to you and me, and He says it today, if we place our faith in Him, who did it all for us, yeah, I know, sounds too good to be true, right? That we can have an intimate, unfiltered relationship with him. Now, I'm aware that this is new, breaking news for some of you. I'm aware that some of you don't know me. So if you don't know me, you don't know if you should trust me. You don't even know if you like me. Well, I can assure you, my mama likes me, but she likes everyone. Everyone. I would just, with my final thought this morning, I would just ask you to consider, not if this is true, but what if this is true? What if God is real? What if God is real and and, and we can have a relationship with Him that He is not mad at us, but He's mad about us? and wants to have that relationship with us. What if that was true? Because if that was true, that's a game changer. And what if, even if you have no consciousness of who He is, and, 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 and I'm just saying, what if He's true? What if He's real? What if Jesus was His Son? And what if Jesus dying on the cross in our place, what if that means that you and I have access, unfiltered access to God? I just want you to consider what if, today because Jesus' last three words as he hung on the cross were the words, it is finished. And one of the truths that encapsulated why he said it is finished is that the separation that you and I have from him, it is finished. We can live in an intimate relationship with him. He took our place. It's referred to as the great exchange.